Coach and those who's the most, man, and I'm back, man. It's episode three. You already know how it be. Season three, we talking hoops with Coach Cam, man. I just want to appreciate y'all for tuning in to this lovely episode. This is the March Madness edition. March Madness just uh, summed up last night, national championship game, and I'm back, man. I got some more basketball to talk about. Had to let the, the topics build up a little bit. Took a little hiatus because, you know, I was coaching my team, doing my thing, and you know, sometimes you just got to let the basketball talk build up, you know, the anticipation build up for a podcast. And then once I get a lot of basketball to talk about, you best believe I'm going to turn the mic on and I'm going to do it. Now, I'm trying to be a responsible podcaster here. All right. I know I've got a platform of about maybe 25 or less, but it's cool. Y'all, my peoples, I rock with y'all. But listen, man, me recording in my car at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, it just ain't safe. It's not safe. It ain't. I'm trying to be responsible here. So I was like, let me find some time where I could get in my mode and be in a good situation where I'm not sitting in my car. I could be at my desk. I could talk about some hoops and I could get a good podcast for the people, man. And that's what we here to do, man. So if you if you want to hear some good basketball talk, you've tuned in to a great episode because this week we're going to talk about March Madness. Talk about the NCAA tournament. You got some coaches getting jobs, some movement happening, the transfer portal. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the new trend, the new trend in college basketball, hiring coaches. What's going on? Are you paying attention? We're going to talk about that. Um, got some prospects. I'm got to recruit them. I'm bringing the recruit the mid segment back. So what I'm going to do for the recruit the mid podcast, I'm just going to take this portion of this pod and just drop it on that one and, you know, do it all at once. But got some prospects all over the state of Michigan that you need to be paying attention to, high school and Juco and a couple transfer portals out there. But you already know, man, it's your coach that knows who's the most. And let's start off with March Madness, man. I'm going to tell you like this. That Gonzaga-UCLA game, wow. I mean, wow. I was really watching the game. And I'm, I don't know how I didn't wake up the kids. I don't know how my wife didn't know. Like, why did you just wake up the kids? Whatever you're doing, you need to put both of them to sleep. I'm surprised she didn't do that because the end of the game, he had Ju Zhang from UCLA breaking down the defense, getting to the rim, misses the shot, gets his rebound, puts it back, and then the boy Suggs do what he does best, man. Best players make plays. Great players make great plays. Gets it out the net, outlet it, three dribbles from 35 feet and off the glass and bang to the Final Four National Championship game. I mean, it was a great ending to a great game. Both UCLA and Gonzaga were going back and forth. They were going at it. Like the matchup of Suggs and uh, Johnny Jusang. My man Johnny Jusang, oh, buddy. Man, he's trying to get drafted. Not only is he trying to get drafted, he's trying to go lottery. I mean, he gave MSU fits. He gave uh, Gonzaga fits. He gave Michigan fits. I mean, if he don't go off like he go off, there's a few teams that could have got to the Final Four that he just like, nope, not tonight. Not tonight. It's not happening tonight. Mick Cronin just let him roll too. Like, go ahead, playboy. Go ahead. Do your thing. And that matchup between him and Suggs was, was, was a high major matchup. 
Uh, I'm sure some NBA execs were checking out that matchup. And that's what the NBA execs are looking for. Like, what do you do against other guards that have the potential to play in the NBA? And Johnny Jusang probably came into the national tournament with maybe a first-round draft pick grade, and he probably left the tournament with a, with a lottery grade. He'll probably be late lottery now. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes 13, 14, 15 in the lottery. Shoot, he might be a top 10 pick now because he's a big guard. He can shoot it from deep, puts it on the floor. I mean, he's, he's going to be a good player. He's going to be a good player for an NBA team. So, I mean, I, I would draft him. I definitely would draft him, especially after what he did in the tournament. But let's talk about the national championship game. So, so Gonzaga wins that game, and they, they played so hard against UCLA that you could tell against Baylor. Baylor wasn't for no games. They wasn't for no games. They was ready for all the smoke because the way that they guarded their guards, I mean, they just, the one guard looked like Donovan Mitchell. I, I thought it was Donovan Mitchell. You know, Donovan Mitchell showed up to his uh, Utah game with the 45 Mitchell jersey on. And I'm watching the game. I'm like, dude, look like Spider. I mean, he a big guard. He got to be 6'4", six, 6'5", six, sitting down and checking and getting to the rim and hitting threes. I mean, Baylor, they they were they were here for, man. They were prepared. They were ready. And Gonzaga ran out of gas, man. They used a lot of, uh, of their energy trying to beat UCLA, and that showed. So even though they made a run and they, they got it to, to 10 points and under 10 for a little bit, you know, subs in foul trouble and uh, Timmy and he couldn't make shots and he struggled against athletic bigs. So NBA execs are looking at that and they're like, man, I like Timmy with the half mustache and all that, but you put an athletic big on him and he can't do nothing. And guess what all the bigs are in the NBA these days? They're athletic. So they're not going to let you do none of that stuff. So where's your fit? Where's your fit now? I mean, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. He, he's a good player. Uh, but there's a reason why he was ranked number 49th. There's a reason why there were 48 other players that was ranked higher than him in high school. And the majority of them were probably athletic. And he was not. And you can tell in this game, man, I don't know if it was if they were fatigue was involved. which probably was. But those guards from Baylor, man, and I've been saying this for years, if you can check and you can make shots, you can win games. Period. If you got guards that can check and make shots, you can win games. You can win games with just guards that could do just those two. The way that Baylor guarded Gonzaga, man, you didn't know what they was man, what they was zone. They was switching. They was match. I mean, they just sat down and was like, not today, dog. Not today. I like them kind of guys that just, they had the mentality like, I'm not losing today and you ain't scoring. And that's what Baylor did to Gonzaga. They were up 10 at halftime, and that just trickled over into the second half. I know a lot of people probably picked Gonzaga to win it all. This is their first loss in the year. So this is this is the debate. When you talk about Gonzaga and the conference they play in, they play in the uh, WCC conference, the Western Conference. So this is the debate. You say, okay, do they play good enough competition during the year to, to get them prepared for these moments? And it's not the UCLA game. It's the game afterwards. So when you play in a Big 12 and you got to play Texas, and you got to play Texas Tech, and then you got to play uh, Oklahoma in the big, like, you know, you 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 got big matchups back-to-back, and Gonzaga couldn't handle the big matchup back-to-back. They couldn't handle it. They, they weren't built for it because their conference isn't built like that. I mean, the Big 12 conference is built like that. You're going to have some matchups on some nights where it's like, okay, we might be able to have an off night and still win. 
right? The Big Ten as a conference is not like that. That's why they showed how they showed during the tournament. They just beat each other up for 20 games, and then they got to the tournament, and they all beat out. I mean, that's what happened to Illinois. If Illinois is in a conference like Gonzaga, yeah, they might be undefeated too. And then they get to the tournament, and then when it gets really thick, when you go against a team that's just as athletic, that's just as good, and you just beat a team that was really good the two nights before, 48 hours before, what you going to do? And for the Big Ten, they beat each other up all year. So by the time they got to the tournament, I mean, those teams were just gassed. They were just gassed, man. They couldn't go as far as they could, even though Michigan did really well. Michigan was built for it because they handled their tournament. They won the conference championship regular season. Like, they they handled it. They did what they were supposed to do. So them getting a one seed and still having the route that they had to take and still making it to the Elite Eight was a good run for Michigan. But what I'm telling you is Gonzaga's conference doesn't have them set up to play the big-time matchup back-to-back. They might be able to handle one, but they can't handle two. And you saw that in this game against Baylor. But shouts out to Baylor uh, and Scott Drew and Baylor for winning the national championship. Scott Baylor becomes the youngest active winning national championship coach in the country. That's saying a lot from, for, for Scott Drew and the way he took over the program. This is a program that after four years, he had nine conference wins. Nine. So you mean to tell me that AD at Butler at the time, at Baylor at the time, didn't bring Scott Drew in the office and was like, look here, listen, we got a longer vision for you. We're going to take our time. We're going to be patient. But you only got nine conference wins in four years. What are we doing? I'm sorry, not nine, 12. It was 12. It was 12 conference wins in four years. So what are we doing? Because it was three one year, four one year, and then five the next. So what are we doing here? Do we need to make a replacement? Because we can't keep going in the Big 12 playing against all these teams and we're not winning no games. And from that point forward, the next 15 seasons, 12 of them were 20 win seasons. So it took him to struggle for four years for them to realize, all right, this is our guy and we're going to stick with him and nobody's going to plug him and we're going to keep him here. And at some point we'll win. And that's exactly what happened. And they've had some success at Baylor in that conference and nationally. And, man, now they've turned the, to- the corner and they're looking like the-, the Villanova of the West. They're looking like a team that's going to be there every single year going forward. As long as Scott Drew is there. But now you look at Scott Drew and you're like, OK, if, if I'm Scott Drew, why-, why take another job? I'm already winning 20 games a year. I'm in Texas where it's a hotbed of talent. Like, why do I need to leave? Why do I need to leave and go to a bigger school? But how bigger can you get than Baylor? You probably can't get to a bigger school than Baylor. What's what's next, Duke? Florida? I mean, I think he's at the perfect spot. I think he's still going to be there for a while. I don't see him going and taking another job somewhere and turning the program around. He didn't already did that. And now it's time for him to recruit the, bit, the, the, the hard work that they put on in the last 20 years. And, hey, good luck to Baylor. So... Uh, some other college basketball takes that we're going to talk about today. Um, I like the one location for the tournament. I like it. I think it's nice. Um, normally, they just do one location for the Final Four, uh, but due to the pandemic, they did one location for the entire tournament. And in order to do that, you have to have facilities. You have to, It has to be spread out. You have to have a big enough state to host. And I think Indiana was the perfect situation because you got big cities Big enough cities that can hold different regionals. You know, Fort Wayne is a big city. Indianapolis is a big city. West Lafayette is a big city. 
you know, Bloomington is a big city for the most part. And they, they did what they were supposed to do, man. I was really impressed the way the tournament turned out. At first, I was kind of shaky, kind of leery of them being in one spot. But, hey, it worked out. Uh, so they might try it again. I can see them trying it again. And the next time they do it, it'll be in Texas. Because Texas is big enough. You can have a Dallas location, a Houston location, San Antonio, and say an Austin, Austin, Texas location. Um, I'm not too familiar with Texas and the geography of things, but they've got big enough cities. They have enough universities, enough places where they can host and have hotels and all of that good stuff. So be looking for Texas as another one tournament, one spot location for the national championship tournament, March Madness. Um, there's been a trend going on. And I'm not sure if you guys have been noticing this college basketball trend. We're going to talk about it more a little bit later. But the trend with hiring new black coaches is, is on up. It's on and up and up. That's the trend. The trend is, okay, if uh, you want a new coach, this is the time to hire a black coach. I'm just going to be honest with you. And if you don't like honesty, then this is not the podcast for you. But what I'm telling you is this. North Carolina hiring Hubert Davis is a big deal. He was the first black coach in North Carolina history. Mike Woodson going to Indiana is a big deal. So we're going to talk about that. And I'm going to give you some names and some schools and some coaches. But the trend, I really like the trend. Guys that look like me are finally getting head coaching positions. And going forward, they're pulling along colleagues that look like me, younger coaches, pulling them along. Um, like to see Drew Valentine, him getting on at Loyola. We're going to talk about that. Uh, but I like the trend. The trend is us. The trend is us, and it's up, and it's stuck. I'm not Cardi B, but you get what I'm saying. Um, Alabama's here to stay, man. Alabama is here to stay. Now, they might have dropped a dud um, of a game against, uh, what was it, Arkansas? I forget who Alabama lost to. Um, man, I'm drawing a blank here. But Alabama is here to stay. And the reason why Alabama is here to stay is because they got high-level players. They got high-level coaching. Nate Oates is one of the best coaches in the country. Uh, Michigan made, coached at Ramblin's High School. Um, and it's funny. I got a funny Nate Oates story. So my wife is watching the tournament a little bit. You know, just, you know, we just having small time talk after we didn't put the kids to bed and wash the dishes and all that. And they're talking about Alabama. And the name comes up, Nate Oates. And she's like, wait, hold on. Uh, why does that name sound familiar? I was like, well, Mr. Baker that you work with at River Rouge High School, uh, he used to be his assistant at Ryman. She was like, wait, so you mean to tell me the guy that you knew that was at Buffalo? Because I was like, yeah, remember I remember I told you that the coach at Ryman went to Buffalo and he went from Buffalo to Alabama? She was like, I thought those were two different people. So you mean to tell me you know this person? I was like, yeah, you know, I you know, know him. I know a lot of coaches, but... You know, whatever. She kind of went off on me. She's like, how you know this guy? He made two, three million dollars a year. You need to be calling him and texting him, trying to get on his staff. And I'm like, kind of doesn't work like that, babe. But uh, it was just funny how she just, she finally put two and two together. Like, hold on. That's the same person you've been talking about? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> I've been knowing him for a while. Uh, when I was coaching at Renaissance, I used to go out to his house and get tapes. Because uh, see, now you there, there was no huddle. Ten years ago, there was no huddle or crossover where you could just get online and it's like, coach, I need the fam. And you could just email it over. Like you literally had to go and get a DVD from a coach and get it burned and all that other stuff. Um, so, yeah, I used to go out and, and get game film from him, from opponents that I was about to play that, you know, he had film on. And I would drive all the way out to his house and stuff like that. Uh, used to take my team to his summer leagues. I thought his summer league was really great. Uh, it was NCAA certified and it was jumping and we played it in every summer. 
So, yeah, I know him. I know him. My wife was, went off on me. But um, on another tangent, they're here to stay. That's not this. What happened this year with Alabama is not a fluke. You're not going to see Nate Oates leave Alabama for a bigger school. It ain't going to get no bigger. You're not going to get no bigger than being at a, at a football school in the SEC where they can really care less about basketball unless you win it. So take like Auburn, Bruce Pearl at Auburn, all right, some football school. They don't really care about basketball, but guess what? Auburn was in the national championship game. They started winning. It's like, holy crap. Well, if you're going to start winning, then we're going to start caring a little more. So when you have those type of situations where you're at a big school, but it's primarily a football school and you're able to win, those are situations that you don't want to just up and leave so fast. So I can see him being at Alabama for a long time. I mean, what other job can he get outside of the SEC? I mean, maybe an ACC job. I mean, but it's I mean, it's basically the same. I don't see him getting a better job. Just just think about this. Just this aspect of it on a recruiting um, aspect of it, because they're going to bring in the number three recruiting class in the country next year. So if you're a high school recruit and it's Alabama Auburn football game at night and you're on the 50 yard line. I mean, and you and you tell the recruits, hey, look, listen, like, is this the kind of environment you want to play in? Aren't these the kind of fans that you want to play in front of? But guess what? They can't see them. They can see you. They wear helmets. Y'all don't. And y'all going to be at the same parties. That's that, that would be my approach. Like, look, listen, you on the 50-yard line for Alabama-Auburn. These same fans can come to the basketball games, too, and they will because we win it. So, roll tide. <laughs> I mean... I think Alabama is here to stay, and they're going to be a problem in the SEC. Calipari is going to have to make some major adjustments to what he's been doing. Getting the five-star recruit ain't it no more. He was able to get four or five uh, five-stars, put them all together, win that championship, or, or get to the Final Four, get to Elite Eight. Like, he can't do that anymore. Like, these guys aren't going to Kentucky. Just look at the landscape of the top players in the country. Kate Cunningham is at Oklahoma State. Jalen Suggs is at Gonzaga. You mean to tell me you put Jalen Suggs with Kate Cunningham, Hunter Dickerson, and whoever, and you put them all at Kentucky with Isaiah Jackson? Yeah, they're probably in Elite Eight, but they're going different places. Javon Quinterly is at Alabama. He go from averaging three points a game at Villanova to averaging 13 points per game and shooting 42% from three. That's a big jump. But C Coach Cal, what he was able to do before was to take these four and five stars and group it together. But he can only get one or two. He ain't getting the best of the best. He ain't getting out of the top five. He ain't getting three of them. Like, it ain't happening. Like the kid that, that's that dude. Um, I forget his name. He got hurt. But anyway, just imagine if him, Suggs, and Cunningham was on the same team. Yeah, of course. National championship worthy. So either Coach Cal, this is what Coach Cal is going to do. He's going to get the best transfers around. So all you mid-major programs that had a really good player, watch out. Coach Cal is coming. And it might be in conference too. So he might pluck a guy out of West Virginia, which he did. Got a big coming from West Virginia. He might say, all right, come on, Rocket Rots. It didn't happen for Izzo, but guess what? I like to give my guards the ball. And I like, I like my guards to boogie. So shooting a transition three is what I like for you to do. Let me see if you could do that for me. Do I think Rocket Watts goes to Kentucky? No. But I can see him going to a really high-level program like a Florida State, Auburn. But we're going to talk about the transfer portal a little bit later. 
John Calipari has got to change his, his motto up. He's got to change it up or he's going to continue let schools like Gonzaga and Baylor and Michigan get to a Final Four and they're just watching. They're not involved, they're not playing, and they're watching. But trust me, he ain't going to let it happen two years in a row. Either he takes an NBA job or he gets some high-level transfers that you're like, oh, man, my man was all Pac-12 and now he's at Kentucky. Yikes. Good luck stopping that. So that's the approach I think he's going to take and it might bode well for him in the future, but Alabama's here to stay, man. And uh, Michigan is going to be better next year. How about that? Think about the recruiting class that they're going to bring in. Frankie Collins and those guys. Where's Chet Holmgren going to go? Where, where's Jaden Harden going to go? So Kentucky might have to, if, if I wouldn't be surprised if you see the guy like Jaden Hardy end up at Kentucky and Chet Holmgren end up at Kentucky. That's the only way for him to really, he's got to get the, the two best players out there. Get a money base and be like, hey, look, man, I know you want to go to the NBA. How about you reclass and come here? Why, why not Kentucky? I know you like Michigan State and all that. I know you, you like the G League and all that. But come here and get it done. He's going to shake the system up somehow. I don't know how. I just know Coach Cal ain't cool with just watching the tournament like the rest of us. Uh, but Michigan with the recruiting class that they're going to bring in, um, Kobe Bufkin, whoo, man, high-level player. Frankie Collins, high-level player <sighs> to mix what they already got. And those say those guys come back. I mean, with Livers, he's going to be down for at least six months. So he can't go to the NBA draft. He might have to come back. And if he comes back, he's going to have the opportunity to play in some games by December. Let's say it's uh, March 6th. I mean, April 6th right now. Six months is October. So he might be ready to go by the time college basketball season kicks off again. And if Michigan brings that same team back with, with the high-level recruits they're bringing in, oh, buddy, wow. I just hope that they don't beat each other up in the Big Ten like they did this year. But that's Big Ten basketball for you. But what's going to happen with Michigan State? Those guys coming in from Michigan State, they need to play. And they're high-level recruits. So if you're going to make some high-level recruits with some guys that kind of didn't get it done, like, you're going to see exactly what's going to happen with the Tom Izzo era, depending on how he handles this next group and how he handles the group that he had last year and how they mix. He's going to have to switch. He's going to have to do something different. They need some new blood in Michigan State. They need to. They need to bring a young, energetic coach and mix in with that staff. Dwayne Stevens does a great job. Uh, but they need to mix it up a little bit because there's obviously a disconnect between the players and the coaches a little bit. Because uh, they had a very up and down season. You can see body language wasn't good. Uh, there were times they played great when they beat Michigan, Iowa, and Illinois in the same week. And then two weeks prior, they lose to, to Rutgers. And they're in a dogfight with North Northwestern. Like, you, that can't happen at Michigan State. It can't happen. And they thought they could just turn it on in March like they're normally able to do. But UCLA wasn't for them games. Tiger Campbell and Ju Johnny Jusang wasn't for no games when they played Michigan State. And they was down at halftime. It was down. Michigan State was up like 10 at halftime. And then Izzo and Gabe get into it. And then it's downhill from there. So what's next for Michigan State? What are they going to do? I would like a shakeup on staff. I think Monty might come back uh, to replace Dane Fife. Uh, but I think it needs to be somebody new, somebody out of the box, a Dre Haynes, uh, somebody to, talk, to mix it up a little bit, to give him some flair, uh, something, because it's just, it's not right in East Lansing, and hopefully they get it going forward. So you have your coach, it's your coach that knows recruits the most, you already know how I do it, um, 
We still talking college basketball, man. We got a lot of college basketball tape. It's March Madness. The tournament just finished. Uh, going forward, we ain't going to have a whole lot of college basketball to talk about because tournament is over. So I'm going to get it all out this pod. Uh, so if you're looking for the NBA takes, not this week, sorry. I think my, my NBA takes usually pick up after March Madness because that's the only thing to watch is the NBA and AAU. Uh, so that's going to pick up after this tournament. But this podcast, is the, this is the March Madness recap. And you've got the coaching carousel going on. You've got coaches changing jobs. You got some guys out here who are moving up the ranks, who might have been in trouble, changing jobs, going other places. And I like to see, and we talked about earlier, the trend, the trend of uh, college basketball coaches hiring black coaches. So these are some of the, the, the black hires that I like. Not even that I like, but these are the schools that have hired a new black head coach. Penn State, North Carolina, DePaul, Indiana. Marquette, Boston College, Minnesota, Fordham, George Mason, Portland, South Carolina State, Texas State Marcos, uh, Lamar, Wichita State, Northern Illinois, Austin P, Jacksonville, Loyola of Chicago, Albany, and Binghamton. But he's in a he's got the interim tag. Um, yeah, I really like seeing that. And some of them are young coaches. They're guys that they should be next up, next five, ten years. These are some of the, the guys that will be replacing Leonard Hamilton, that will be replacing Anthony Grant that's at Dayton, that will be replacing Pat Ewan that's at Georgetown. Like These are the guys that are next up, and then they're going to bring other guys along. So I like Micah Shrewsbury at the Penn State, an ex-Butler guy. I like that hire. Uh, I like Kim English going to George Mason and then him pulling along an older coach, Dennis Felton, that was at Cleveland State. I like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the only way for us, people that look like me, to progress in the game in college basketball. Because I had a podcast before where we talked about the number of head coaches in Division I basketball being less than 20%. And hiring 17, 18, 19 new black head coaches helps our percentages. It helps our chances to get jobs. So if there was ever a time for a black coach to get on, this time is now. And who's to say what happens at Central? Who's to say what happens at Eastern? Who's to say what happens at, um, you know, places like that where you got some mid-majors, some schools that's near some some urban cities where guys are starting to get jobs. So you've, you've got some coaches here and they've been making some moves. And I like that. This is that time of the year where coaches make moves. They get guys to be associate head coaches. They get guys from this staff. Who are they going to hire? Uh, Drew Valentine was huge. That was huge. He's be he becomes the youngest head coach in the country. I didn't say in their conference. In the country. Drew Valentine. You know, uh, played ball in Lansing. Went to Michigan State. I mean, went to Oakland. Was an assistant coach, GA at Michigan State. Loyola, Chicago, Oakland. Now he's at Loyola, Chicago, because the head coach, he gets the job at Oklahoma, Porter Moiser. And he says, you know what? Instead of me taking you with you, I'm going to leave the program in good handings to you. And that's how that's how we get on. That's how it's supposed to happen. So now, now it's, it's shakeup time. So who, who does Drew Valentine hire? Who does he hire to be his assistant coach? Who does he hire to be his, his ops? You know, I'm pretty sure his phone is blowing up. Or people trying to call, yeah, I got a guy, I got this player, but you got to hire me too. 
And for me, that's never been my approach. If I'm going to coach college basketball, it's definitely going to be again because I was a college basketball coach for three years. If I'm able to have that opportunity again, it's not going to be me making a bunch of calls from coaches who I don't normally talk to to say, hey, put me on because I'm a reach guy and I can get you Tyson Acuff that's in the portal. I can get you uh, Rocket Watts. I did his highlight tape when he was a freshman at Allen Academy. I'm not that guy. I want you to hire me because you want to improve your shooting. And you saw what I did with some players and you were impressed with my skill development. People that spend time with me get better. Period. In the story, it's non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. If you spend time with Coach Cam, you get better. There's not a single player that has spent time with me in a gym. Multiple hours. I'm not talking about one workout. I'm not talking about two workouts. I'm talking about a considerable amount of time with me in the gym that doesn't at some point in their game get better. Now, I ain't taking all the credit. I'm not. But I'm telling you, if you spend time with me, you'll get better. So I want to be able to be that guy where... A coach says, you know what? Coach Cam would be great on my staff because I need a skill development guy. I need a guy that can recruit the state of Michigan. I got a whole platform for it. Who else would know where the players are than me? But I don't want to be the guy where I know such and such that might get the job here. Now I'm blowing up his phone trying to get a job. Nope. I want you to hire me because, hey, coach, hey Cam, I, I, I like your resume, what you've been doing the last 20 years in the state of Michigan, and I want you involved on my staff. Boom. Bet. But I ain't blowing your phone up. Sorry. If a GLIAC spot comes open, of course, that might be something I reach out for because I have GLIAC experience and I know where the players are in the GLIAC. So they better hope I don't go get back in the GLIAC. I know Taylor Johnson, that's at Grand Valley, is glad I ain't been in the GLIAC the last couple years. And look up, they won 20, 20 some games every year and they're bringing everybody back. Man, I wouldn't want to play them next year. But I'm saying, <laughs> you wouldn't want me in a GLIAC. You wouldn't want me in the mid-major because I'm going to do damage because I'm going to work my ass off and I know where the players are. Period. So you're going to see some shakeup. So what happens at Eastern Michigan? What happens at Central Michigan? Now, for what I've been told, two names that you might want to look in for for Eastern Michigan is Stan Heath and Charles Thomas. Two coaches that have Michigan ties, that have coached in the state, played in the state. Uh, Stan Heath of uh, Kent State fame. Uh, Southern South Florida, I think he was at. Uh, Michigan ties, Michigan State. Uh, Charles Thomas that played at Eastern Michigan, who's at Duquesne now, has success with getting Michigan players to play at Duquesne. Every year, he's had a guy leave Michigan. Look at Eric Williams now. I know Eric Williams is at Oregon, but wasn't nobody recruiting Eric Williams. There wasn't a single mid-major in the Midwest recruiting Eric Williams. Not one. If Central, Eastern, and Western try to tell you they recruit Eric Williams, they're wrong because I for sure thought I had him. Actually, I did. He was begging me to come to the school I was coaching at. But at the time, I'm like, man, I just recruited one of my former players. I can't offer you right now. I can't do it. And he ends up going to Duquesne for two years, tears it up, ends up at Oregon, and Oregon's in the Elite Eight. <laughs> so, and part of the reason why he gets to Duquesne is because of Charles Thomas and the, the hard work he put in. So, hopefully, you know, we get some news with Eastern here soon. Hopefully, they make a hire. And I really, and with, with Central Michigan, uh, from what I've been told, the leads are Andy Bronkema and Jeff Smith. Jeff Smith is associate head coach at Oakland, and Andy Bronkema is the head coach at Ferris. Makes sense for Andy Bronkema to go right down the street, 50 miles, and coach at Central Michigan. It makes sense because the guys that were on this national championship team three years ago should have been playing in the MAC. Drew Cushenberry should have played in the MAC. 
Zach Hankins goes and starts at Xavier, and they make the tournament. He almost averaged 10 rebounds a game, and he was on the national championship team. So there were players that were on that roster that could have easily, easily have played in the MAC. So if he coaches in the MAC, he knows the type of guys like, okay, I need to get Cushionberry kind of guys. I need the guys that probably would say no to me at Ferris that I didn't try to offer. But now I can get them because I'm Division One. I can get them now. Now I can I can take a Mac Mansell and say, you know what? Um, I know you're a Division One player, but why don't you come here and play for Chippewa? So uh, I would like to see Andy Bronkema get that job. And or even Jeff Smith. Jeff Smith has huge ties. Have him come back to Central. And when he was at Central, he got a lot of Michigan guys to play there. See, I, I'm not, I know I'm the recruit the mitten guy, but it's it's not, it's crazy to me how we have all these available players in the state of Michigan and they're not playing at Michigan schools. And I've talked about it before and I'm still going to talk about it. So whoever gets these two jobs, they need to holler at Mint recruit. They need to holler at Coach Cam because there's no reason why we got all these players and we're about to talk about it here in a minute. Why we got all these players right here in the state of Michigan and they're not being recruited by in-state schools. Long shot for Central Michigan, Jay Smith. Jay Smith has ties at Central Michigan, was, was a head coach there previously, um, had some success there. And, hey, who knows, man? I, I think uh, with his success that he had at Michigan with those bigs, look at Hunter Dickerson, Jawan Howard, he coached him with the Fab Five. I mean, it's obvious that Jay Smith does really well with big fellas. That's obvious. So if you need a coach that needs some fine-tuning on some bigs, he's the guy to look at. So he's a long shot for Central Michigan. Do I think he'll go? No. Uh, but he's right there in the mix. Let's talk about this transfer portal. Oh, my gosh. Everybody's entering the portal. Why is it, though? Coach Cam, why are so many players transferring? Over 25% of college basketball Division I players are in the transfer portal. Well, a portion of that is the circumstance that we're in. There are a lot of coaches that couldn't uh, recruit this spring and summer. So you got some 2020s that's on some campuses they probably shouldn't have went to. You got some JUCO, they took some chances from JUCOs they probably shouldn't have went to. Should that number be over uh, 1,100? Yeah, it's a free year. They ain't got a free year before. So, of course, if you feel in any kind of way, hey, man, I'm out of here. And a portion of that is if you're any kind of decent player, some coaches are going to call you. And you might transfer to a school that you might transfer up and play in the conference that you probably had no chance of playing in to begin with. Who wasn't recruiting you before you went to your other school? So I, I understand why there is a lot of players in the transfer portal because th this is the free year. Just let these kids go where they want to go. There shouldn't even be a portal. They should transfer just like any other student. If I was a student at Michigan State and I wanted to up and go to Michigan, I can there's nothing preventing me from doing that. So why? Because you play sports, you have to sit a year because you want to go to a different school. Like, you should be able to go wherever you want to go. So the reason why there's so many players in the portal is because they can finally just up and go wherever they want to go. I mean, ain't nothing to stop Porter Morrison from going to Oklahoma. He had no transfer clause to go from Loyola, Chicago to Oklahoma. I'm pretty sure he recruited some guys to come to Loyola, Chicago. So now he's going to recruit those same players to go to Oklahoma? No, he's not. He's going to recruit different players. So what are you telling those families? Oh, I'm sorry uh, that I recruited you to go to this university, but I'm going to be coaching at another university, and I'm sorry, you can't transfer there? I have, I have a problem with that. 
The players should be able to play wherever they want to play. The coaches should be able to coach wherever they want to coach if somebody's willing to hire them. So, yeah, I'm not mad at the transfer portal and the numbers that's in there. I ain't mad. Do your thing. Do your thing. A lot of you are LeBron James lovers, right? He didn't play for three franchises. Play for the Cavs, play for the Heat, play for the Lakers. So it starts at the top. So you got a bunch of people that watch LeBron play for three NBA. That's just a trend of basketball now. And do I like it all the time? No. Do I understand it? Yes. You got to be able to adapt and change. This ain't the same. This ain't the 80s where you're going to have a guy go to college and play four years for one coach. Not going to happen. In those four years, he might get two coaches. That's if he's even there for four years. Because the guy you might play for, you got one good year and you mess around and, and win 27 games. Now your head coach is, coach is somewhere else. And now you stuck with a guy who you got no relationship with and he bringing in his staff and his players and now you just left out the dry. Of course you're going to put your name in the portal. But people looking at you crazy because you didn't got a new head coach, a new staff with some new players, and you just forced to adjust like, no. Like, if they can leave, I can leave too. So I'm with it. I'm with it. I just want to know where Rocket Watts ends up. I want to know where he ends up. If you remember before he got to Michigan State, he led the EYBL in scoring. I think it was 37 a game or 27. I think it was 27 a game. He led the EYBL in scoring. So all these sophomores, the Javon Quinterly's of the world, um, uh, Cole Anthony's of the world, that's an NBA now, he led all of them. He was the leading scorer. So can he get down with the best of them? Yeah. Michigan State was a bad fit. I can't be mad at Rocket Watch for putting his name in the transfer portal. It's obvious it's a bad fit. It's a, it's a round square. Round square. No. It's a round pig trying to get into a square hole. That's what it is. It's oil and water. It don't mix. So that means you either got to take the oil out or the water out. And you can't be mad at either. Now, I liked, you know, for the first time ever, a coach comes back and tries to explain why he transferred. Like, I don't even know why Izzo did that. It's fine. You transfer. It's cool. It's okay. You're going to date a girl where it's not going to work out. You're going to break up. You're going to meet somebody else. And you might fall in love and get married. Well, guess what? It's part of life. You're not go you might not work the same job forever. You might not. You might find another job that works out better for you and your family. This, this is for Rocket Watts. I think he's going to end up at a situation that's going to be better for him, where he's able to have the ball in hand for him to be a scorer and not a playmaker. There's a difference. He needed to be a playmaker for Michigan State. He's not a playmaker. He's a scorer. You got to let the kid score. So put him in Alabama system. He flourished. You put him in, in Auburn's system with Sharif Cooper. Now he leaving. You plug in Rocket Watts. He'll flourish. Michigan State, ah, not so much. So I would like to see where Rocket Watts ends up. Wendell Green Jr. is another intriguing prospect that's in the portal. Now here's the thing. When you, when you recruit high-level players like Eastern Kentucky did with Wendell Green, he had a hell of a season. Probably the best freshman season in the country outside of Jalen Suggs and Kay Cunningham. He had one of the best freshman years that you can have. Averaged about 18 points per game, six or seven assists. Was really good. He was all league first team as a freshman. But when you get a kid that's that good, you got other schools like, man, I probably should have took that kid. If, that, if I'm at a school like Pittsburgh or like a, a low-end ACC school, I'm like, man, this guy looks better than the point guard I got now. So I think he's going to end up in a situation like that. Do I see him? 
he's going to be in a high major conference that didn't do well this past year or two, that needs a point guard. They need somebody for leadership and put it all together. But it's, it's, it's rough when you get a good player and he plays so well that other schools want him and they can get him. And they can get him without sitting. So he could transfer and not have to sit. So I would like to see where Wendell Green Jr. ends up. Uh, but I, I see him at a high major conference, just not at uh, a high major conference that's a high-level school. Like, he won't end up at a North Carolina. But he, he, might be in a, he might be in ACC. He might end up at the A-10. But is he going to be at uh, Richmond or Dayton? I don't know. Uh, could he play in Rhode Island? Probably. Uh, so I think that's going to be the kind of the situation for him. Uh, Jamal Kane. So Jamal Kane was a recruit uh, from Michigan, of course. He was at Marquette. He transfers to Oakland. I think he going to tear the Horizon League up. He's back round the corner from Pontiac. He back with Coach Cove. It can't be system. He tries. He lets his players play, just like you know. He, he likes guards to do their thing. He's a big guard, six five, six six, long, linky. Uh, average about nine points per game for Marquette. I think he's going to do wonders at Oakland. Rashad Williams transfers to, to St. Louis. I'm not quite sure why they bring the best two guards back, but hey, he's going to the A10 now. He was in the Horizon League. We wish him the best. I'm just not sure the fit is going to be there. I, unless uh, Pickens, Javante Pickens goes to the league, I don't know what they're going to do, but they got a lot of guards there, and he was getting 20 shots a game at Oakland, which wasn't going to happen next year with Jamal Kane. so maybe he knew uh, that he wasn't going to be able to get 20 shots next year, and he decided to leave. So Rashad Williams, a guard from Oakland, leaves and goes to St. Louis with Jimmy Bell. Jimmy Bell's on the roster from Saginaw. So talking about prospects and talking about the transfer portal, we're going to ease into one of my favorite segments on this podcast, which is the Recruit the Mitten segment. You know what I'm saying? Because it's your coach that knows recruits the most. Recruit the Mitten segment on this podcast. You already know what it's going to do. So we've got a couple coaches that need to be hired. They need to be hired quick. Eastern Michigan University, Central Michigan University, hurry up and hire a coach. Hurry up and hire a coach because there's players in the state of Michigan and they need to go somewhere and they don't need to be going to Kent State and Toledo and Ohio and Mercer and uh, Marquette and Duquesne and Oregon. They need to be going to schools here. Somebody need to get Jalen Terry to come back home. Somebody need to grab Jalen because he in transfer portal too. Somebody need to get him to come back home. And depending on who gets the job at Eastern and Central, they might have a relationship with Mike Williams like Mike Williams. How about we put you on staff and you bring your boy Jalen Terry back? Come on, we need to make that happen. Uh, so I could totally see him coming back home. But they need to make a hire quick because it's some recruits that need to be signed. And for this unsigned segment, I'm going to talk about some recruits that I've been talking about the whole time I've had this whole podcast. And you're like, Coach Cam, why do you keep talking about the same guys? Well, I'm like, these same guys can play. You need to be recruiting them. One guy that needs to be on your list, Central and Eastern, Javante Randall. 6'9", big, out of, out of Frederick Douglass. I think he has a Detroit offer. Some people are telling me that he's getting some, he's getting some looks and some interest, which is cool. But somebody needs to offer him and get him on staff. Put some, get some relationship built with the kid so you can get him because he's long, he's lanky, he can run the floor, he can finish. Is he a back-to-the-basket scorer? No. So when you watch his film and you're like, all right, the guy don't touch the ball for five minutes, cool. And in a three-minute span, he get three blocks, gets three rebounds, and has three dunks. And you're like, man, okay, I think I can use that on my team. Javante Randall is a guy you need to recruit. 
Will Smythe. We've talked about Will Smythe before. He had 11 threes in the game this year for Orchard Lake St. Mary's against uh, Ferndale uh, when they beat them by almost 30. Uh, both teams are playing in the state quarterfinal. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, Will Smythe, you need a shooter with great grades. Come on, what you waiting on? Northwestern, what you waiting on? Loyola, Chicago. Drew Valentine, what you doing? Come on, this could be a guy you can get easy. Make a phone call. Will Smythe could be there because he's a kid that in the next two or three years, he's going to go to class. He's going to do what he's supposed to do, and he's going to make threes. He's going to make threes. So if you need a shooter, this is the guy you're going to get. Mac Mansell, who's picked up two GLIAC offers since we started talking about him. He should have more offers from more schools, but they probably calling and texting me like, Coach Cam, stop talking about Mac Mansell. But I can't because they're my peoples. You know what I'm saying? That's my guy. His dad and I, we coach on the same coaching staff. We work together. We did camps together. He's my guy. So I got to talk about Mac. And if you don't recruit Mac at Central and Easter, you're doing yourself a disservice. You better call up Mac Mansell. Whoever gets those two jobs, better call up and offer Mac Mansell within the first 48 hours of being on a job. Jalen Hollis, what's Jalen Hollis going to do? Out of Bridgeport, 6'4 guard, was committed to Northwood. Now he decommits. His, his recruiting is open. Um, I think he should be playing in the GLIAC, but he could be a mid-major player too. Uh, but I think the GLIAC is a good fit for him. Because uh, he be he should be able to one of them kids like Antonio Marshall that should be that's at Wayne State that could come right in and make an impact immediately, immediately. You look at year two Antonio Marshall and they play in the tournament, so I think he could have that type of impact. Uh, Lyndon Holder, Warren De La Salle, Warren De La Salle gets an opportunity to play for Breslin tonight in the quarterfinals. They'll they they play uh, Macomb Dakota. Um, they have a guard Joshua Hines, high level skinny kid that can play. Uh, but Lennon Holder is an intriguing prospect, man. I'm telling you. Six-foot guard. Really, he's crafty. He can shoot it defensively. Not quite there. But guess what? If you need a guy in late situations to get a bucket, he could do that. He could do that. If you need a guy to handle a little bit of pressure, he could do that. And he's a winner. He's a winner. I mean, he's he's hit a couple game winners this year for De La Salle. They'll be playing for a state championship, even though I don't think they get by Grand Blank or Orchard Lake St. Mary's. I think they lose to one of those two. But Lyndon Holder, man, Lyndon Holder's a prospect. Yet you should look at Keon Merrifield, Minifield. Where is he going to be? Flint Beecher, six-two uh, guard. He's, he's skinny, so you're looking at uh, Keon. He's like, man, he's so slim. I don't know if he can play at my level, but yes, he can. Yes, he can. He can play in the MAC. He can play in the GLIAC. He can play for a lot of schools because you know what? He can score. He can shoot. And he's starting to get athletic. So if you put him in a program where he builds his body up a little bit, I know you coaches don't want to recruit high school players. But I'm going to tell you like this. If you're at Eastern and you're at Central and you can get one or two of these guys and you can give them, get them in the lab and get them in the weight room program and get them with somebody like Coach Cam who can develop, old buddy, in 12 months from now, he might be a player that could be an all, not even an all-league guy. He might be a valuable asset for your team because at the mid-major level, you have to have a niche. You're not getting five stars. You're not getting four stars. You might not even get three stars sometimes, especially if you're at bottom feeder schools that have been struggling the last 10, 20, 15 years. So you're going to have to take a guy like Will Smythe, like, you know what? No, he's kind of skinny, but he can shoot the hell out the ball. And 
How about I just put him in a lab for three, four months, put 10 pounds on his frame, and we'll see how it goes from there. So you're going to have to find a niche. And I think this is a niche that Michigan, Eastern Michigan and Central can go under because these players are these are guys that they might not be able to come right in and play, but they're good enough to play at the next level. And like I said, from Macomb to Holder, Joshua Hines. Oh, my goodness. This kid can play. There's, there's no mistake why Macomb, Dakota is playing for a quarterfinal and a chance to go to Breslin. Even though they got to play the JV team tonight, it's no mistake that Joshua Hines is a major player on this team. So if I'm a GLIAC coach, man, Joshua Hines would be top of my board. But I think the GLIAC, they're a little sassy now. I'm going to be honest. The GLIAC suits, they're a little fat and sassy because they can bring their whole team back. But if your team is trash, you bring them all back, you're going to be trash again. Now, if you're like Grand Valley and you can bring back a lot and then you can add pieces to it, like you add the guard for Northwood, uh, uh, J.K. Lewis, and then you add a Parker Day, like, yeah, now you can get busy. But if you struggled in the GLIAC last year, you bring everybody back, and then you lose your best player who transfers, what makes you think you're going to do the same thing next year? You're not. So you, these are guys you need to be recruiting, and you might need to tell some of these seniors that might be a good idea for you to look elsewhere um, because it's just not the right fit. So uh, speaking of recruiting, the junior college basketball here in Michigan is outstanding. And I don't know what the coaches here are doing. I don't know why you think that the JUCOs here are second fiddle, why it's either JUCO Division I or nothing, because it's players all across JUCO that got a free year. So if you were a freshman, if you're a freshman at a JUCO now, you could go somewhere for four years. If you are a sophomore at a JUCO now, you could go somewhere and have three years eligibility. So I'm going to talk about five guys that's at JUCO right now that need to be offered by Division I schools. The first guy is Omari Duncan. Omari Duncan, I've talked about him before. He plays for St. Clair, 6'4 guard, about 200 pounds. St. Clair is number six in the country. He's averaging 17 points per game. He's shooting 38% from three, and he's just a do-it-all kind of guy. He's not flashy. He's like a Kawhi Leonard. Like, I didn't say he was Kawhi Leonard. I said he's like, because he's big, he can defend, he can rebound, he can score, he can make plays, and he needs to be on your recruiting board. Dequavian Cole, DQ Cole, out of school craft, is getting Division I interest, hasn't had any offers yet, but he's shooting a whopping 47% from three, and he's shooting seven threes per game. So he's shooting four for seven, three for seven every night, five for seven. Like, the kid can shoot. He's a lefty. He's averaging 15 points per game. It's mind-boggling. He don't have an offer from Central Michigan, Eastern, Oakland, Detroit. All of those schools should have been offered this kid, but none of them have called Coach Corey, and you need to. Whoever, I'm telling you, whoever gets the job at Central and Eastern, make sure y'all hear, hear me out here. People, help me out. Send them the link. So you need to listen to Coach Cam right here. Call Corey McKendry. He got at least three or four guys on this roster right now that can play Division I basketball next year. I'm not joking to you, and Dequavian Cole is one of those kids. Next kid on my list, Kevin Rice. He's second in the country in scoring, 25-5 and five at Delta. Now, he's not just doing it against Alpena. He's putting up numbers against Schoolcraft. He's putting up numbers against St. Clair, like he's done what he's needed to do. He's shooting 39% from three, getting five rebounds a game. Kevin Rice will have four years to play. And then recruiting kind of gets crazy for him. But so I understand. So they, they could be talking to some of these guys and they're like, look, we want to offer. But as soon as we offer, everybody in our league is going to do the same thing. So 
that, that could be the case. But I'm going to tell you right now, Carrington McCaskill, 6'8 kid that's at uh, Henry Ford Community College that was at Florida Atlantic, got a little bit of trouble. But I'm telling you right now, Coach Shepard has done a good job at, you know, helping him out mentally and making sure he's ready to play at the next level. He's averaging 13 points a game and nine rebounds a game. He's 6'8". He's athletic. If you don't think Carrington McCaskill can help you at the next level, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. Very similar to Andre Polk that's at Central. Uh, but I think his, F, his, his offensive game has gotten better over the years. And he's going to be somebody that needs to be high up on your board. So don't mess around and look. And he ends up at a mid-major somewhere, and he easily could have been in our state. So Carrington McCaskill is a guy at Henry Ford called Coach Shepard. Not going to put his number on here, but hit him up. Henry Ford, Community College, Coach Shepard, call about a couple of his guys. Because not just him, he's got some other players on his team that can play at the next level as well. The last one I'll talk about, another kid that's at St. Clair. They're number six in the country for a reason. Chris Ballard, 6'6 Ford out of Flint, right? Get this. Last game, he had 21 points and 13 rebounds. He's first in the country at field goal percentage. He's shooting 73% from the field. I am That is not a stat I made up. That's a stat I looked up. It's num he's number one in the country. I mean, he getting layups. He getting dunks. He getting putbacks, offensive rebounds, and he's putting it on your head. That's a guy I probably would want on my roster, a guy that can rebound and finish at the rim. And he's 6'6". Don't be scared of his size. Be scared of the fact that if you get him, he going to rebound the hell out that sucker and he going to finish at the rim. 73%? 73%. That's a lot. Cause he, and he averaged at 15. So he's he going 10 for 12, 9 for 11, 8 for 10. Like, that's big time. So these are five guys. And I'll repeat, they need to be on your Division I roster. Gleak, don't recruit these guys. They ain't coming. They not coming. If they end up in the GLIAC, shame, shame on the, the, the schools in Michigan for letting them go in the GLIAC. Shame on them. Omari Duncan, that's at St. Clair. Chris Ballard, that's at St. Clair. DeQuavian Cole, that's at Schoolcraft. Kevin Rice and Carrington McCaskill. Go get those recruits. Um, and lastly, I'm going to talk about three quarterfinal games that's going to happen tonight. I'm going to keep it brief. If you want to hear or if you want to get my full breakdown, make sure you go to mittenrecruit.com. Click on that first article of my top three quarterfinal games of the day. And that's what this part is. It's going to be very brief. The first game is Ann Arbor Huron and River Roots. So Ann Arbor Huron is undefeated. They're playing against River Roots, who's had three losses on the year. Two of them to Hamtramck. Another loss to Grand Blank. They've played a tougher schedule than Ann Arbor Huron. But I think the drama with Coach Stone ends their season. This is, that, this is as far as they go. Just because of the drama they went through by not letting Coach Stone complete the season. Didn't like that. I'm a rider for Coach Stone. That's my guy. I coached his son in AU. So I support Coach Stone. I don't like how River Rules did him prior to the season. So I hope Ann Arbor Huron beats them by 30. All right. I'm going with Ann Arbor Huron in this one because I think they're on the road to Breslin. They're going to get there and they're going to play um, good enough basketball to win it all if they don't. Right, next matchup, Grand Blanket, Orchard Lake, St. Mary's. Here's what this game comes down to. Ty Rogers, Julian Roper. Who wins that matchup? In their first game, Roper won. Roper had 29 points. Ty Rogers have 12. And I think Orchard Lake, St. Mary's wins by 14. So whoever wins this matchup tonight wins the game. If Ty Rogers gets the best of Julian Roper, Grand Blake wins. If Julian Roper gets the best of Ty Rogers again then Orchard Lake should win. I think Orchard Lake wins because they just loaded top to bottom. I don't think they lose. I think they get into a battle 
with uh, NRB Huron in the semifinal or the final to win it all. And I think Orchard Lake is on that pass because they're just that loaded. And they've, they've had the season and the schedule to prepare them for the best teams around. And I think they could beat anybody in the state of Michigan. So I'm going with Orchard Lake. The last game is intriguing. Fred D and Southfield Christian. Two power power programs in Division 4. Used to be Class D, not a Division 4. So you get to see Pierre Brooks and... They're going to be throwing some kind of funky zone at them. They'll throw a box in one. They throw two defenders at them. If, if Pierre can get 30-plus, they win. If Pierre doesn't get 30, Southfield Christian wins because Southfield Christian's got two guards uh, that can really shoot it, and Fred Douglas plays zone. So if they get hot and they make some threes, it could get ugly. But if they're not making shots, I know Jimmy King's son is there, uh, Malcolm King, 6'3 guard prospect that's been recruited by nobody. But he's a good prospect. He's got good bloodline because he's 6'3", and Jimmy King's his dad, Fab Five. I recruit him just for that. Uh, but he can play a little bit. And we'll see tonight who wins this matchup. They play 6 o'clock at West Bloomfield. I think I think Frederick Douglass gets the breath, and I think Pierre Brooks wants to play in front of East Lansing before he gets up there, before graduation. I think Pierre Brooks on his mind is, I want to get to Breslin and play there before I get there in the spring. So it's your coach that knows recruits the most, man. And I'm going to wrap up this March Madness segment, this portion, this episode. I'm uh, going to be talking more basketball with you guys. Now I got a little bit more time. I ain't coaching, you know, so I'm not going to practice every day at Oak Park like I was. I got time to record a few podcasts. So you're going to be getting some more material from me. But it's your coach that knows hoops the most, and I'm a holler at y'all, man. Peace. It's your coach.